Welcome to the Mike Bowie Show, where we talk with people who influence people. So welcome, Anna All. Thank you, Mike Bowie. How's things? Things are really good. What's it like being Anna Alt? What's it like being Anna Alt? Well, I love my life. I I have a lot of fun. I I'm gonna try really hard not to do ums today. That's what we're gonna work on. This will be the anti-um podcast. So no ums. Every time you go um, I'm gonna do that. Okay. Okay. Let's not. Yes, that is a goal. Okay. Good. So I feel like that's what it's like being Anna Alt is that <laughs> I start off on one train of thought. And, and then I some sort of sound comes out of you. And then you go to you, the next. No, then I'm like, this is what we're not going to do today. Okay. We're not going to do ums. And I'm like, I, that wasn't like a real um. Well, I, I, I got to be consistent oh, if nothing fair. else. Well, you, I just said it again, though, so. Okay, good. Thank you. We'll probably stop that here in a minute. Okay. But what? So you have a you have a big presence in um, on Facebook and uh, online. You've got a social media presence, yes. and it, uh, that I think is a big part of not who you are as a person, and it's not your purpose, but it's kind of a natural extension of you because it you're just out is. there. I love Facebook. I love Facebook because. I find myself to be funny, and I find myself making interesting posts. You do. You are <laughs> funny. I think that's, and and I think, I can't speak for the general public, but I think a lot of pe- people would just think you're you're cute. You're adorable. Thank you. Um, but in a lot of ways, because you're funny, you're witty, you're 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 quirky in some ways. So very quirky. Is I'm, that I'm weird? I like being weird. Is that by design now, or like, do you just enjoy being existential, or like out there, or is it just, I'm, hey, this is just me. It is just who I am. I, I spent way too many years of my life not being who I was, and when I finally made the switch, I realized that people. I mean, this is so cliche, and I hate cliche sayings. Mm-hmm. I really do, but sometimes they're. They're there for a reason. People like genuine people. And so when yeah. I started being genuine, people started attracting themselves to me. And if we're talking about social media, Facebook in, in, in particular, when I make posts, people come to me a lot of the times and want my advice about how to do social media, specifically Facebook. And I tell them, if if it's not your thing, you you probably shouldn't try to do it as your thing because yeah. when somebody's not genuine it you, you can see it you can feel it you you kind of said you may not understand i i agree a hundred percent 100 percent. you maybe don't understand why this person doesn't resonate with you but there's something about that insincerity that isn't endearing right so what I what I know about you and I and for anybody listen I I've known Anna for three or four years. Nope, uh, it, it, we are on our fifth year. We're on our fifth year. Um, I held up four fingers when I did that. <laughs> I've known Anna. It was our fifth year, so I've gotten to know Anna as a community partner in uh, chamber work. Um, Anna is uh, involved in a couple of businesses with her husband, and um, and I want to circle back around to what you're saying about being genuine and sincere but you said something earlier today we were at a chamber meeting together you said your job is to 
do a certain thing. Tell, tell, tell me, what is, what is it? What's your job? So my, like my t- real role is that I'm sales and marketing for LSL finishes and masonry and glass systems, Inc. That's the, the title. But that's not really what you do. That is not what I do. <laughs> and I, I sometimes lessen what I do, and then people are like, oh, Anna, no, you have a real job. Well, I really don't have a real job. Right. And I say that not to get people to feel bad for me. I say it because it's true. I literally eat, drink, and talk for a living. I am what you see on uh, sitting at a chamber lunch is what a client will see if I if I talk to a client is what you see when I'm on a swim board is what you see when I'm in a homeschool group. Right. Right. So what I did say to somebody at our table, Mike and I were at the same table today when it, we went around and said who we are and what we do. I just said to this person I just met, I eat, drink, and talk for a living. I think that's awesome because that that's a real sincerity, and it's not self-deprecating either. Uh, I've known Anna for some time, and, and she's not saying that to, to be cool or to be trite. Um, it's really what you do, and it's how you connect with people because you, you tend to connect with them at their level, wherever they are. So tell me... When you're posting stuff on Facebook, because you do have a great Facebook presence, you're not out there intentionally designing posts, or are you? Do you do you look at social media like, man, today I'm going to post this because I want this result? Nope. I post things that I think are funny in the moment. Or, and I said this to somebody yesterday, I didn't I didn't realize what I was doing years ago, but when I started building up a Facebook presence with funny posts, with pretty posts, with pictures of my kids and my family or people, selfies, because I like to take selfies. I just think I look better in them. (laughs) (laughs) Only you can take your best selfie. (laughs) So I would take selfies at community events, right? And once I was, like I said, I didn't do this on purpose, but once I had gotten that presence, and people started to like and trust me, then every once in a while I sprinkle in, because I've, I'm a bit of an activist in, from my past life, getting out of my past life, I will, uh, those posts, I absolutely are intentional because if I can teach at the same time as entertaining, then those posts are pretty, are, are more thought out. But when I'm making a post about the different kinds of ways to cut sandwich that is just because i think it's funny i saw that post and i just it's an ongoing post i don't know if you know that it It, is i and i just i didn't want to comment because i don't cut them i just make them and eat them there's no point in cutting a sandwich well and there there should be that should be an option what kind of person just eats a sandwich just right regular person yeah so if you're if you're uh hearing this and you have an opportunity to post something below it tell us do you do you cut quarters? Do you cut an X and angles? Are you down the middle? or Who knows? I just know that you make a sandwich and you eat it. But when you're, when you're posting on Facebook, and I don't want to spend the whole time on Facebook, but, but you do it really well. And I think there are two ways to approach that. So I'm on Facebook and I'm just kind of me too, but you're more you than I am just me. Does that make sense? I mean, I put myself out there, my my faults and my quirks, and and everybody should, I think, 
within reason. But also, I understand formulas for marketing, right? I understand that it's a, it's a if you do this, then this will mm-hmm. happen thing. And being a logical thinker, I love that. Do you ever, do you do anything? Do you approach anything that way? Methodical yeah. as far as social media? The only time that I have started doing the methodical, I worked with the CAP students at the beginning of mm-hmm. the school year. Dan Tripp invited me to come to speak to and with his business group of the CAPS program. For those of the people that are listening, Center for Advanced Placement Studies, I believe. Advanced advanced Professional Studies. Perfect. And it's all of the high schools in St. Charles County participate. So I went in and the, the idea was Dr. Tripp wanted me to give the students background of my business and a real-life problem that I was dealing with for LSL finishes. They had to help. Well, one of the things that all of these students said was our Instagram for LSL finishes was the pits. So I did get help from the kids these days that I am an inten- I am intentional with my link or um, my Instagram for LSL finishes. I post every Tuesday. And Dan Tripp taught me to use three words to describe my company, which is community, homes, and quality. And so when I make posts for Instagram, that is a methodical, I try to think of the community aspect, the homes aspect, and quality. But other than that, it's just whatever happens. You you just mentioned community, and I know your community to you is a big thing. Like you're, you're always like, I love my Lake St. Louis life, right? You guys are in Lake St. Louis and it's a lake community here in the St. Charles County area, just outside of St. Louis. And it is really, it's a, it's a kind of a close knit community. It's a, a man-made lake and their home is all around it. And it's beautiful. Their community center and the whole bit, you guys are, are really involved and you also you mentioned swim board earlier. Mm-hmm. I want to learn more about that. I think that's interesting. Uh, it, that's a big part of your your life in your community, yep. I guess, in the spring, right? Or is it spring through fall? Is it all summer? What is it? So uh, swim season, if you don't do competitive swim, generally starts after Memorial Day, mm-hmm. ends mid-August. My family and I started doing that when my kids were three and four. And if it wasn't for the swim team and the friends that I got from the swim team, I would not be here today. And then the other part of Lake St. Louis that is has become an even larger part of my life and my family's life is the ski club with Lake St. Louis. Last year, we so we've been on the ski club. I think this is going on our fifth year. Last year, we decided to join the competitive side. I don't I ski a little bit, but my my husband skis well. My kids are getting better and better all the time. The ski club has become starting mid-May to mid-August. We will be there at least four nights a week as a family. Wow. Sometimes five, sometimes six. So and that's a big part of your summer life. Absolutely. So I I heard you say without the swim team, you wouldn't be here. I, I, I have to dive in. What do you mean? I, like, what is it about that that is life-changing or... Let's go there. What do they do? What do they deliver to you? Well, I, you're, whoever is listening, 
is either going to know a lot about me because of social media and they've just gotten to know me or they're brand new and I'm about to dive into something. So at any point, stop me. Okay. Mike knows that my husband and I were both born and raised in a very high control religion. That is how we met. We met through mutual friends. And when we decided to leave in July of 2014, that following year, we were, besides leaving at the same time as our best friends, Heather and Aaron Patterson and their family for, Dan and I pretty much were on our own for that following year. Mm-hmm. And we had decided to to put our kids into the summer swim league in Lake St. Louis, which was a humongous no-no in this particular religion. And being, had, being involved in a community thing? Being involved in any kind of extracurricular. Because everything in this in this group was... And let's just let's just call it a duck. It's a, it was a cult like existence. Absolutely. Okay. Those people that I had met that summer from the swim team were the only friends that we had, and I don't I do not take it lightly that they invited us places. They invited us to our first Christmas party that we had ever gone to. Wow. They invited us to our first St. Patrick's Day celebration. Mm-hmm. So. That is why I can say we wouldn't be where we are today without the swim. So they club. were your real first connection outside of this this group. So you're you're out. You you move. You or you 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 get out of this community. You start making connections, and boy, they must have really embraced you, huh? Uh, they did. <laughs> they did. So well, I I thank them. Tammy Sanker, Michelle Carpenter, call them Judy out. Crowell. They were they're my ladies. Oh yes. Let's just give them a moment of applause here. Let's recognize people in the community who help people in community. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that I love is the idea of influence. And that's the purpose of this podcast is I, I think there's something to add to that discussion about people who influence people. What, what is it? What do you think you bring to the table? when it comes to influence. And and I don't I don't mean to put you on the spot and make you uncomfortable thinking, you know, you gotta come up with some really powerful or self deprecating thing. I just mean you know what you do. You're a smart person. You you don't approach what you do in an unintelligent way, but you are very, very much face value and alt. And that's what I bring. Right. I I am unapologetically me and my all those warts and things that I want to change about myself, I talk about them. I talk about how I try to get better and do better and be better. I talk about therapy that I've been in. Mm-hmm. And that's what I think sets me apart is I, I people like people who are raw, and I am raw. Can people be too open? Yeah, sometimes I am. Well, for, for, <laughs> for sure. sometimes I am. So, do you think that do you think that you are too open sometimes? Or do you make your family uncomfortable? No, I don't think I don't think my family is uncomfortable. If I sat here with with your husband and, and said, 
Has you <laughs> has Anna ever embarrassed you publicly? What would he say? I don't think I think I I hope that they weigh in on this. I hope <laughs> Dan, Birdie, and Samantha all weigh in. I don't think that I embarrass them. I mean, maybe like surface level, like mom, come the on, silly stuff. Like yeah, nope. Yeah, okay. What what's the best compliment you've ever gotten? Oh, uh, uh, I don't know. Give me a minute. Let me think about this. That I have the ability to. Ooh, this is yes. This is the best compliment. Bring it. I can find at least one good thing about every person I meet. Even if it is that one thing yes. that other people can't see. Yes. And that I will, even the most grumpiest of persons, persons or people? Let's go with Grumpiest it. of people? Persons. People. People. Humans. Humans. I can, I feel like I've only been able to not find one good thing about one person. You're not going to get it out of me who it was. <laughs> I was just going to ask who <laughs> <Nope>. it. <laughs> You're not getting it. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, and that's true. You know, I think that's important. If, if you're going to have influence with people, you have to find a common denominator with them. You know, we have, we have left, we have right, we have conservative, we have liberal, we have all sorts of dividers, right? But the only way I think that you can have influence over someone is to connect with them on some way. And, and I've, I agree with you. And I'm, I'm putting it on record. Yes, everybody in the world has something good about them. Something that you can find that you at least understand and, and like. Every person. Something. There's something, something. ridiculous. And, and it may be, you know, it could be that they... Who knows? They Think, exit the building early it when could, they know that it's time for them to it go. It could be that they know when it's time to leave. <laughs> but there's something, you know, there's something about them. All right, so what's an insult that you receive that you're proud of? Well, I don't understand the question. What, how, has anybody ever, ever insulted you and you're like, heck yeah. Oh, that, I'm, like you're that a, I am too open. Okay, so that that has been been insult a time or two that I share too much, yeah. and that when I first started working with Dan, doing this whole networking, marketing, sales thing, that I blur the lines between professional and business. That was an insult, and but I'm that's like, not that's I, that, that's ridiculous, right? So I believe firmly, and you can, you can tell me if you agree with this. I, I think you will. I, I know you will. I think you will. I don't think there's a professional and a personal life. I don't either. I think that there's one life. Yes. And I think you wake up in the morning and you be you and your business is an extension of you. Your personal life is an extension of you. Your hobbies your likes, your dislikes, it's all an extension of you. So I feel like when I get up in the morning, I'm living the kind of life, and I'm not as open as you are. I have my reasons. But I, I believe that, you know, when you get up in the morning, you just be you. So you, you're instantly, for, another, for if nothing else, then you don't, have to, you don't have to backtrack or remember what you did because you're always just you. 
I don't believe that I have a nine to five persona and that I have to decompress from when I get home. We are the, Dan and I are the same way. Yeah. You, and when, I see it in Dan pe- too. When, yeah. Dan and I are on the same plane board with that. When I hear people say, oh, you got to put your phone away or don't look at your phone in the morning and answer an email. Well, why, I don't, I don't know why I wouldn't. Right. It, it doesn't bother me to look at my phone while I'm drinking coffee and respond to an email from a right. client or a, a potential customer. That, that, it, it isn't work to me. It's the same as, I don't know. And that's another one of those things that, that can be cliche for some people is if you love what you do, it's not work. I mean, it's clearly, so true, though. But it's cliche because it's true. It, it Things become cliche because people say them a million times. People say them a million times because it's true. Yep. If you love what you do, I mean, sure, there's work to do, but... The last five years owning my businesses, there there are years that I or there are weeks that you know for a year that I worked 60, 80 hours. Last year, two thousand twenty one, I probably didn't work more than fifteen hours a week. I needed that break, right? But here, I, here we are back in twenty twenty two, and boy, I'm just I'm working like crazy, but I love it. You know, it, it's it's all part of who I am, and I think that I that's love the same seeing with you. you out and about in the community in this past year and I think you've done a really good job of embracing and coming back into the quote unquote work life the cool kids the cool well, yeah yeah, yeah. That's why well we you know you and table. I I invited you to lunch or you invited me to lunch I don't know it was about a year ago or something maybe less maybe more I don't remember but I told you that I was really just tired of networking I was done like I was so burnt on the networking thing and I still I still look at networking now different than I did before. And it's that's your job. But you don't network like the average person is taught to network. Correct. Because like there are books written on it. There are modalities. There are ideas of how to network. You know, everything from, well, I don't want to insult some of my friends. But I disagree with most of everything that's out there about networking. Same. So what is networking to you? It, it's, I don't know, going out and finding groups of people that you like anyway. And if you can possibly throw some business my way and I can throw some business your way, that's networking. And to me, ne- I'm always networking, even if I'm on the ski site or on a s- swim board meeting Always. Always. You know what? So some of you may or may not know I'm a pastor as well. And one of the things that I love about Scripture and about my faith is that, you know, I know from Scripture that I am to always be ready to give a reason for the joy that I have in Christ. So I posted this on, I think, TikTok the other day. I love TikTok. I, I've grown to love it too. And I hate that I love it, but I actually love it. But I posted us on Facebook. How is what? How can you take scripture, what you learn in scripture, and relate that to business? Well, guess what? It's all in there. So if I take some scripture and I say, well, always be ready to give reason for the joy I have in Christ. Well, what can I glean from that for business? Always be ready to give reason for the joy I have in what I bring to the community, the solutions to the problems that are in the community. And we know from a business perspective, the only way you can have success 
is by finding something, finding a problem in society and solving it. Okay. That's it. LSL finishes. You guys do painting, you do remodels, you do all kinds of fun stuff. People have a need. Mm -hmm. And we realized a couple years ago, our favorite kind of client is somebody who loves their home, loves their neighborhood, but it's time to remodel. And they are willing to take the time and the energy and the money to work with us. Our... Your problem of wanting to update your home, we can fix that. You know what I love about the way you and Dan approach your business is I I get a sense because I know you personally and I get a sense of because of how you guys behave in the community and you've been consistent. You know, you can see through snakes because they're not consistent, right? You guys are consistent. One of the things that I see about you guys is you seem to fall in love with your clients' solutions. I mean, it, we do such a beautiful job. You do. Dan and his team, uh, let's, let's, for the record, I don't do any of the physical. She doesn't swing a hammer. I, I don't do she, any of this. Remember, Anna, what does Anna do? She eats, drinks, and, and talks. talks for a living. There it is. Boom. Dan and his team, and, and I, something that I'm going to say on this podcast that I have said. I believe you were at the chamber lunch that I said this about um, Stacy Fernandez. Dan has done an impeccable job because he doesn't do a lot of the physical work anymore either. We have a team and other partners, whether it's Extreme Electrical or um, Hozak Plumbing, those are those are subcontractors that you know we can't do the electric work. We can't do right. the plumbing. No, you have, you have to sub out some stuff. Of Absolutely. Yeah. They are a part of our team. Dan has put into place a team of people that has the same vision, the same quality mindset as Dan, including me. Like, I, I, I love that Dan is responsible for putting me in this position because he knew that I would be able to kill it, right? He's a smart cookie. He is a smart cookie. So... Whenever somebody is looking at a company like Osteo Strong or Promotions Pronto, always remember that the, the, the business owner, the person behind everything, they might not do the actual physical day-to-day work, but they are the people that put those other people in the best spots for that company. Their name's on the on the on the invoice. It's Their name everything. is on the invoice. It's everything. Yeah. So you're right. When I look at hiring in my companies, and thanks, thank you for mentioning OsteoStrong. When I look at hiring, I have, I have a, you know, you, you make the main thing the main thing, right? And when it comes to hiring, my main thing is I will never hire you if you don't love people, period. You can have the greatest skills. You can be the greatest at what we do. You can know everything about all things, all the physiology and the science and behind what we do. You can know all that stuff. But if you don't love people, I can smell that a mile away. Because this is a very people-centric. We see people every week here. And my our members, our, my, our clientele, we, it's a membership business. I'm telling you, people can smell a rat, you know? And that's one of the reasons that I wanted to, to bring you in here in this new podcast early on and turns out you're the first 
is well, because... Well, technically I'm the second. No. Your son was the well, first. Well, oh, that's right. Patrick was the first. But that was a test. It was a test run. Okay. I mean, what are you going to do? Patrick, so, don't worry. I got you. But I got your back, Patrick. <laughs> got your back. Pat, Patrick would thank you, thank you for that. Actually, I think Patrick will probably come in and, and be part of the interviews sometime. He and I did great together. But um, it's one of, the re- one of the reasons I wanted your, you here first and early on is because I see you as someone that's just truly genuine, and, and most people do in the community. Do do people do, are there people that don't like you? Yes. Okay, that was quick. Yeah. <laughs> and you know their names? Uh, okay, yes. Okay, well, I'm not going to ask. No, you, I wouldn't tell you, you. So you're aware that there are people that don't resonate with you. Uh-huh. All right, so do you believe, since this podcast is truly about influence and influencing people, do you think that someone who, do you think someone who has an influence should be liked by everyone? No. How no. come? Why? Well, listen, I'm going to use this person as an example. It has nothing to do with my political ideologies, whatever. But my husband always uses Donald Trump as an example. Whether you love him or you hate him, he is a fabulous leader. He can lead people. He has just as many lovers as he does haters. That's just facts. Right. He is unapologetically himself. Yeah. And so... I mean, I would like to think that the people who dislike me at least respect me. That I, I always say, I love passive people. I love aggressive people. I don't do passive aggressive. So I think that the people that might dislike me, they, they know, they, at least they know I'm, I don't know, I stand behind my convictions. That makes it, it makes it easy when people wear labels about what they believe in. And it is difficult when people are wishy-washy. Um, I, I lead back to scripture on a lot of things. You know, we learn from scripture that if you're if you're lukewarm, you're going to be spit out. You got to be hot or cold. You got to give me something. I accept that. Hot or cold. I don't pick care. One. Just pick one. But pick one, right? And then you know what you're dealing with. I often tell. Uh, it's interesting, Christine. If you're listening to this, just I'm going to use this as an example. So forgive me in advance. Christine is his wife. That's my wife. She's my favorite human being. Um, but often, you know, in the in the dialogue between men and women, you know, I'm a dude and I'm a <laughs> I like I like very simple. I like you know, like check boxes. Is it yes or is it a no? Like tell me the situation. I don't care what the answer is. I can deal with the truth. That's all I ask. I don't care if it's black, white, red, green, if it's juice or if it's beer or if it's a pickle or a taco. I don't care. I just want to know, what is it? Mm -hmm. Because if if I know what it is, then I can deal with it. And I think that's kind of what you're getting at is like with someone like Donald Trump, man, you you know who he is. Some people might might think he's he's a threat to society. Other people think he's the savior for their society from a, a worldly perspective. And I get that. But they definitely know where he stands. Right. So do you do you like to be polarizing? What do you want the truth? <laughs> I mean Yeah. Yes. What did I just say? I don't I don't I do not mind being polarizing. Yeah. I don't mind. Nope. So was that something that, like you've always well no, since so you said two thousand fifteen, like before that you probably were just was it just Shut up and do what I say? Yes. And 
I feel badly for the people. I don't people think they knew who they were dealing with. Th- well, and I feel badly for the people who knew me in my my previous life. They, they, didn't, they didn't know they you. They don't know get you. the real me. They didn't get you, did they? Nope. They got they got the... the Including the, but not limited to my parents and my siblings. They only knew a person that was a shell of a human being. Right. And I'm guessing you probably didn't really know you either, did you? I, I No, I think I did know. You did, but I, and that's probably where my anger came from, or my acting out. Okay, because I, I, I guess I'm thinking, and but listen, I've never experienced what you did, so I, I'm no one to talk. I'm, I'm just asking questions. But in that situation, when did you start feeling like, man, this is really jacked up? So, I, I, I will try to answer quickly but nothing no answer when somebody asks me a question i generally have to go back like six or seven steps so let's just say there was an age how old were you when things started like man this isn't working for me well so at five years old i felt like something wasn't right but i was smart enough to know that that you didn't know that you didn't know all the data well i just i was just like "Mm, well i'm just gonna go with it Because mom and dad and the whole bit, Yeah, right? everybody. It's your parents. They take care of you, right? Fast forward junior year in the sociology class that I took. We're reading about religions and cults. And not only was my particular faith labeled, but as I would read the definition of a cult, I thought, well, shoot, I'm in a cult. But I was just like, eh, it's not that bad. I mean, right. it's what I... I'm dealing with. But then eventually you found out it's pretty bad and there's some really bad stuff going on. Absolutely. And you and Dan, you guys took a stand and you guys, you guys stood up. Yes. And you were interviewed, you were questioned, you were grilled, you were, um, I know, I think maybe you, I don't know, I I heard some recordings or something. I, I just know that there, there was, you guys were given a hard time. Uh, with the leadership of this cult. Mm -hmm. And that wasn't easy, was it? At that point, it was easy because I had done... January of 2018, my daughter was getting ready to go to kindergarten the following year. And I could not put her into that world of being in that religion and also being in the school system. Of what year? January... No. Thank you. January 2014. Okay. Thank you. For the next six months, I did so much research that when we did finally decide to quit cold turkey, I, it was like I had been released from a cage. So you had like, like when you made that decision, it was, nope, done. Game set match. Dan wanted to be done, like completely cut it off. I wanted to kind of like, go a little slower, but I knew I was doing, I was heading in the right direction and I knew what I was doing was right. But Dan quit cold turkey, took me along with him, with the kids. And yes, in that first year and a half, when we started to break away, it was, it was difficult to lose friends and family. It was difficult to lose a community, but because we knew it was for the best it wasn't as difficult as right. one would think. Yeah. Okay. That because makes sense being, because you made your minds up. And I had lived 
a, I don't, I hate saying this, but it felt like living a lie for 32 years. So finally I was living a truth. Man. Okay. So let me ask you this just to kind of. I just shared my age too. I'm 40. (laughs) (laughs) You did. Thank you for that. You're welcome. Um, so at, at early 30s, I mean, you, your, your life has kind of formed. You know, it, you're, you've gone through your formative years. You've had your beliefs. You've had doubts since age five. So for 27 years, you're, you're questioning this thing, this cult you're a part of. So do you feel like, well, let me ask this. Let me ask it this way. What advice would you give your 18-year-old self? Oh, man. I, okay. So first of all, this is by far the best podcast interview or like interview I've ever had. Just Thank so you know, you you're welcome. That. And you know me and I don't say things like, because yeah, that, that, it's been very awesome. natural, natural progression. I despise the question of what would you tell your 18 year old self? Well, I'm asking. It. I know, but you also know me and I have to say what's the, that's the first thing that came to my mind. Because there's not just one thing. No, you know what the one thing would be is? What? You can say no. Yes. You can say no. And it'll be okay. Yeah. You know what? That's huge because I just got goosebumps. You can't see them because of my hoodie. But I just got goosebumps because learning how to say no is a big... Like, if, if, we, if, if, if Dan was sitting here right now and I asked him, what's the importance in saying no in your professional life? He would say, it's top three. I think so. Learning how to say no. So how has learning how to say no in that capacity helped you now? Because you're, you're no longer part of that madness. You're in a, a pretty wonderful life. You have profitable businesses. Your kids are charming and adorable and, and attractive and funny. Um, you know, you've got a great group of people around you. Um, what, do you what, what do you say no to now? I am very selfish with my time. I am very good at making sure things are on my calendar, including but not limited to downtime. Yeah. Uh, We were just sitting with John Dawson, right? If John Dawson was here right now and you were to ask him, what does Anna do on Thursdays? Thursdays are my day to stay in pajamas all day long. And when somebody tries to change that, there's exceptions to every rule, sure. of course. Something comes but up, you But when somebody gotta, come, wants me to do something that is just not serving me, I say no. Yeah. And it's huge. I'm, I love saying no. Saying no is so important. And I, I've learned how to do it in the past couple of years because I'm the kind of guy that grew up very poor on a farm. And if there was an opportunity to make a dollar, I, I said yes. And I put in the work. Coming up as a musician, if there was a gig that paid X amount of money, I would say yes, no matter how much I wanted to say no. But now, learning how to say no is so liberating, but it does it's more than just personally liberating. It allows you to, to cast a much more clear vision for your life. Let's say that, okay... Do you do you and Dan sit down and, and talk about do you like vision cast? Do you like do you have a do you, do you do like a vision like board? Like a vision board. Yeah. No. Okay, fair enough. Uh, well, um, you know what? I'm I'm not going to answer for Dan. Dan is the visionary in the relationship. Yeah. He 
what's that saying? He sees the forest through the trees. Yeah. I am in the trees. Yeah, you, oh, and I definitely. like I like being in the trees. You're down in the dirt. You're I, in. You're I don't in the mind weeds. that. Yeah. And so when Dan's talking big vision of where we're going to be in one six months, two years, whatever, that's just not my thing. And that's why Dan and I work very well together because I am in the trees with the kids and yeah. cooking dinner and figuring out what to make for dinner. Boy, I just got a million questions out of that, but I'm going to keep it simple. So. Um, Tell me about like you you homeschool too, and that's yeah. that's daunting for a lot of people. But I also see that you you've somebody you're somebody that, who understands what a tribe is, a personal tribe. You have your tribe, and you have people that love you, and you have people you love, and you set a great example of finding people and building a life in that community tribe. And trusting them to pour into your children, too. Absolutely. You need to have people in your life that you trust. Like, I have people in my life that I trust with my wife, my children, and my wallet. I have people in my life that I could give a stack of money to, $30,000 in hundreds, and say, hold on to this, I'll be back. And it could be 10 years and I'd come back and it was, it'd still be there. And that's what I see in you. So tell me about your tribe. Tell me about homeschooling and how your life is with that. Because I know you're out there with business and stuff. So give me an average day for Anna. Oh, tell me about your Monday. I don't know if you saw this post that I made the other day. Uh, a lot of times people who don't really understand homeschooling will say to me, well, how can you still do what you're doing Right. And you're out and about. Uh, yeah. How can you get all this stuff done and educate your children running two businesses with your family and the swim team, the the, the boating, the, oh, the jeeping, the yeah. jeep thing. Camping and jeeping. Camp. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> first of all. Don't don't ever do a southern accent again. Just that didn't work? No. Okay. First of all, everyone has the same amount of time in a day. I never say that I am busy. Hold on. Wait a minute, which button? No, oh, wrong one. this one. We get 24 hours a day. I'll bet you, you sleep eight. fine. I, I sleep, sleep eight, eight hours a day. I sleep eight hours a day. It leaves you 16 hours a day to do what? A whole lot of stuff. A whole lot of stuff. So, if my kids were right here, uh, one of the things in the recent past, my son goes... Man, Mom, um, for next school year, can we have a curriculum that's not so intense and so labor-intensive? Because <laughs> we do a lot. We do a lot of book work. Book work is very important to me. I am a traditional mindset teacher. My background was in education. I sit down at a table with my kids. We read a lot. We rarely use the computer because they get enough of the computer stuff. So if there is a day that... So, okay, today. I knew I was going to be gone a large portion of today. Last night, we did all of our, well, Brody and I did all of our math for today. I got, I taught him the lesson. We did a couple of examples. And then he does it on his own, which is exactly what happens in a public school setting or a private school setting. Yeah, it sounds familiar, doesn't it? Right? Yeah. I don't have to sit with my kids for every single thing. I do, there are some non-negotiables. 
I, when we, so right now we are reading uh, The Hobbit. My kids are not allowed to read The Hobbit without me. Right. Because I've never read it before. And I started doing this homeschool thing to learn with my kids. Right. It's kind of selfish on my part. So non-negotiable, when I get home today, we are going to sit down and we are going to read our next chapter of The Hobbit. They might do their questions on their own. But again, that's what happens in a typical school setting. Right. Right. So I am able to do what I do homeschool-wise. One, my kids were 11 and 12 when we started. Right. So they weren't... They, they were not that. They were... Yeah. You've, already, you've already developed habits. They yep. Already, yeah. Um, I am very... Uh, um, what? Uh, not artistic. What, what's, it, what's the word called when you come up with ideas? Creative. I am very creative with how we use our time. So if we don't get something done on a weekday... Guess what I have to do more school? The weekend. Right. Or I wake up early. You have these other two days, these magical days called Saturday and Sunday. (laughs) So does that answer your question, how I do it? So you're a master. You've mastered, at least, to some degree, your calendar. I am a master calendar person. I'm someone who loves coaching. I hate the word coach. Like life coach. I was once approached by a 21, 22-year-old kid. Do you have a t- uh, tissue? A 21, 22-year-old kid who said that he was a life coach and wanted me to sign up. I mean, stop there and think about that for a minute. Well, let's I'm give 50, him the benefit of the doubt. I'm I 54. <laughs> a 21, 22-year-old kid wanted to be my life coach. I mean, I'm not denying that they, they, the kid probably had 21, 22 years of good education and understanding. But there are things that that person really won't understand and not relate to perhaps. I mean, there are some things I'm sure I could have learned, but I didn't bite. I wasn't looking for a life coach, but I love coaching. I love the idea of being coached I'm, uh, as a lifelong learner. And I know you're a learner too. Um, and I have a coach, a business coach that also helps me with stuff personally. I pay handsomely for it and it's worth every penny. I'm all for coaching. And I also coach people. And I charge them money for it. That's how we do things. What is one of the greatest lessons that you've learned in business? In business. Oh, okay. Are you ready for this? Yes. Because this this is a pretty good one. Okay. And I feel like it's a two-parter. Bring it. Okay. Dan and I. Dan was a... When I married Dan, he was a third-generation union painter. And I was happy to live that life. It's a good, good gig. Absolutely. I mean, that's life. But and he was lucky to be that. A hundred percent. But if you ask Dan, he didn't want to stop there. He wanted to keep going. And in 2008, when the economy tanked, union really stopped. So we had a five-year general contracting company. I was able to pay all of our bills, stay at home with the kids, but we had no business owning a business. Right. Dan sold that company. He went to work for another company. He learned the business end of a business. Eventually, we opened up LSL Finishes. And so, long story long, the best advice for business owners is to have processes, follow those processes, and don't let anyone else, no matter if they are a friend of yours, no matter if they are a networking partner of yours, make you change your processes. You might want to tweak them, 
Learn from them. Learn from them, but those are your processes. Yeah. Does that, is that fair? That's totally fair. From a lunch that we had last year when I told you my disillusionment of, of networking, I told you, well, let me reframe that. You told me something that I'll never forget. And you said, never let anybody else be the face of your company. I think that's huge advice. And that really started pushing me towards a personal brand. And, you know, of course, honestly, if, if I'm honest, which I am, part of this podcast is building my personal brand. Absolutely. It's called the Mike Bowie Show for a reason, right? There it is. Oh, I thought you were going to do that. Oh. I got this, too. This is like the Rodney Shrum music. It is. Is it? Do you remember when he dressed up in? Oh yeah, Jing, whatever the, the guy's. The, the seven, whatever. Yeah, and then I Rodney Shrum with Advanced Payment Systems brought to you. You like that, Rodney, Rodney? Shrum? There we go. <laughs> hey, Rodney. Yeah, um, just like and subscribe. So yeah, part of the part of the reason I'm doing this podcast is to build a personal brand because, let's be real, completely honest. I'm an ambassador for OsteoStrong. It's what I love. I love what I do for a living, and I love the results our members get. But I'm 54. I have a plan. When I'm 60, I don't plan to sell the businesses, but I plan to, to be out of them. I plan to be supported the rest of my life by these businesses. Because you've made those processes. Because I've made the processes and systems. However... I have an alternate exit plan if necessary. Regardless, outside of OsteoStrong, if I spend my all of my time, and if you spend all of your time promoting LSL finishes, and, and I'm Anna with LSL, then what if you're disconnected with from LSL sometime, at some point? Then suddenly you've built a brand that's no longer attributed to you, and you're the secondary aspect of it. So, if you, if anybody's listening, building, a, you know, wanting to understand a, a, a principle of marketing and a principle of brand building, if you can make it a personal brand, then you'll likely outlast whatever business you're involved in uh, their life. For instance, if I decide to sell OsteoStrong at 60 years old. Well, I built a personal brand, hopefully based on honesty, truth, integrity, results, all the things that we require, right? Just like we're talking earlier. But suddenly, all of those traits and attributes are still connected to me. So that, or you, like if you, you and Dan decided to, to divest LSL finishes, do you think you would be successful in your next venture? Absolutely, because I saw I myself. Agree. Because whatever you do, you've built a brand. That says, Anna is this. Here are the things. All these things that Anna is. And whatever business you and Dan do, you're going to deliver the same thing so people like and trust you. That's it. So there's your personal brand building 101. I'm not going to do the drum. <laughs> I almost did the rim shot. I'm not going to do it. What's a rim shot? This is the rim shot. Oh. Thank you, that. Um, like rim as in a... Uh, snare drum, the rim of the drum, the snare drum. It's, yeah, yeah, whatever. I thought um, it was like basketball. Tell me, uh, what is, what's one thing in your business and your, your, your let's call it your success venture. Okay. Starting out and coming to now. 
what's something that you didn't expect? Like, what's something that came about that you didn't expect? Or, or tell me something that, that you're amazed by or proud of, or you get the question. Um, just how smart Dan is. I, I watch his brain, and I liken it to going down a hallway with a whole bunch of file cabinets, and Dan can pull something out. Of, like I, I see his, I, I see him like walking through his brain, going through and pulling out because that is, I, I can't do that. I have a, I, I, my brain is all jumbled. So what? All the files are not in cabinets. They're strewn around Mine the floor. Mine are all. Li- all the, the I don't think they're on the floor. Where are my? They're files? just not alphabetical. They're just all over the place. They're on the countertop over here. Which is so odd because that's not how I live my life. I'm a very organized. Yeah. Oh, well, I guess there's the therapy 101 that my brain's all jumbled. So my physical surroundings. So you're, out, so you're compensating with your Pinterest yes. outfits and so Correct. on. Correct. Wow. <laughs> okay. I think, I think we made a breakthrough today. <laughs> we were on to something. So that is the surprise. So it's your, just your how husband, good Dan is at business. Um, yeah, I, I think that Dan impresses a lot of people in the community. And I think there's probably more to Dan than meets the eye, and probably a lot of it's great, and probably a lot of it might, you know, I don't know. I, I guess we'll have to get Dan on the show. I would love to see somebody interview. I Dan. really like Dan, and and it's interesting how he and I have gotten to know each other because it's been kind of a dance, and you know, um, because people get to know me first, right? Totally, you're the mouthpiece, right? And then they think that there's this like quiet, subdued. And Dan, Dan. is so Dan is is so like like at the we were at a gala the other night supporting <laughs> the child center, and if you're listening, just know that just look up the child center in Winston. Child advocacy child center advocacy of center. northeast Missouri. What Anna said, just look them up. But we were at the gala at Ameristar in uh, St. Charles, and Dan. <laughs> I, I don't want to I don't want to get into the dress stuff. I don't want to talk about that stuff. But Dan's wearing this outfit, and here's what he said to me. He said, "It showed up and I put it on." <laughs> yes. <laughs> tell me about that. <laughs> tell tell you about about what that. we wore, or no. just him doing that? Because him. there are so many things in his life that are important to him. Something like that, he knows is important to me. So, so he just does it. He just does it. Yeah. And I think that that a lot of times if, pe- if people don't know me and Dan, they do think that that is across the board, that Dan just kind of has to show up for the show. And I don't think that's true. I, I, it, I, don't, I, know I don't see it at not. all. I, I, I know that he's a leader. And I know that he allows you to lead him in some ways. Absolutely. Like but him. I know there are ways that he would never allow you to lead him. Yes. Do you agree? One hundred percent. Because one, and, and this is this this interview isn't about Dan, but Dan being your husband makes it relevant. Um, I feel I feel a, a kinship to him, but we're not really close. You know, I kind of feel like Dan is the kind of guy that we've hardly said more than a hundred words to each other in five years. But I suspect that if I called Dan at two in the morning and said I need you. He'd probably put his boots on and come over. Yes, I, I I would agree with that. Yes, I mean he might he might you know 
ask me what the heck. Well, he might say, is a beer involved? Or Right. And <laughs> Maybe not right away. Right. Tomorrow. Yeah, to, after we figure this out. <laughs> but I just feel that kind of kinship to him. And, but it's funny because, and I think that's interesting, because I really don't know him that well outside of what you tell me. You know, Dan, if you're listening, I, I do want to get to know you better. But I sense something about him that's, that's so integrous. He has the most integrity. And you know, I tell people all the time, I hang out with people that are better looking than me, that are smarter than me, that have more integrity than me. And then people kind of like, oh, Anna, come on. But it's true. That's why I married him. He, I want to be with somebody who's smarter than me. Yeah. Yeah. It's important. Otherwise, I don't think life is, I don't think you move forward unless you do that. I, the idea of being a big fish in a small pond is, is, it's like kryptonite to me. You know, it's poison. If I'm smart, if, I, if I'm in a room full of people, and I know you, this is, I'm just repeating what you said, and I'm the, if I am the smartest one there, it's, it's a repulsive thing for me because I have such a desire to learn and grow. And, you know, you're a, you're a, you're a composite of your five closest people, Right. If you want to be the next millionaire, you need to be, you need to hang around five millionaires and you'll be the next one. It's that simple. That's a, that is that, so mind blowing to even think about, right? It is. And the, you know what? This is, this is interesting to me. And, um, there's a quote that I've said recently that I learned years ago that a person who has books, if you're a person who has books, you have a library, and you have a lot of books, if you go buy a lot of books, even if you never read them, you will be tested as a higher IQ. You'll, you're a smarter and more intelligent and educated person than someone who does not have books. And that's a, that's a scientific you fact. You heard it here first, guys. Go get on Amazon and buy some books. Buy some books. And here's what it comes down to, okay? It's not about, I mean, reading books, you're going to learn a, a ton. But think about the personality of someone who buys books, whether they read them or not. Let's say you buy books and you never read them. What is your desire? To get better and learn. At, to learn, right? Yeah. So if you're going to the library and you're buying books, but you never read them, you're the kind of person who desires what's in there. You're desiring the knowledge or the, the point that the book was made for, written for. You desire it. So when you're out in the world not reading books, what, how does your mind, wh what are you focusing on? The person who desires knowledge, you go buy a book and you never read it. Does their desire only come up when they're in a library? No. They desire knowledge everywhere. So when they're down at the river fishing, they have the same desire for knowledge. So they're probably going to be paying a different level of attention to the fishing. Mm -hmm. Maybe you're at a ball game and you're, you're a person who desires knowledge. So you're going to be inquisitive and, and learn things about your atmosphere, your surroundings. So the point is, is if you buy books and never read them, if you, if you genuinely buy them because you love, you're like, I'm going to read that one day. I want to learn that. Well, we already know your personality is one uh, that's inquisitive. Does that make sense? 100% because um, I, I have started reading more because of homeschooling, which I am thankful to my kids for that. But I am probably one of the most inquisitive people I know. 
and I was with a friend and I had met his sister and I was just asking questions like I always do and she didn't know me and she jokingly said, what are you trying to do? Hack my account? And I'm like, what what do you mean? (laughs) And the joke was that I was asking for her mother's maiden name and the street that she grew up in because I love to know stuff like that. I love, I do not like to talk about the weather. I don't like to talk about service stuff. I like to know deep down. You want to know more. I always want to know more. Yeah. I'm with you. Cool. That was an awkward break right there. I know. <laughs> We're just staring at each other like, <laughs> I'm like, I don't know what to say. All right. I do have a list of questions. Um, what are, what are, what's your favorite book you've read recently? Oh my gosh. The kids and I read Anne of Green Gables. Have you ever read that? I have not read it, but I saw the movie and I cried like a, a blubbering baby. Oh man. That's an incredible story. It's an incredible story. What else? What other book? Anything. What other book have you read? Well, a great movie. Do you watch movies? My, I, because I love TikTok, I think it's made my brain not be able to watch things. You, you live in sound bites, don't you? I do. Seven seconds not, at a time. I am, <laughs> I am not proud to say it, but it's true. I like television shows. My favorite television show is Seinfeld, and I can watch it. Over and over and over again. It's a quirky humor, and and I love that wry humor. My dad was, um, he passed away six years ago. My dad was a hard-working machinist at McDonnell Douglas Boeing. And big, strong man, had a real quirky, he never spoke. But when he spoke, it was either funny or powerful. But he had that really wry sense of humor. And... And I got some of that, but my son, Patrick, has, oh gosh, he's got the same. He's my dad. You know things skip a generation? Sometimes they do. I think intelligence did. <laughs> so I was told once that, generally, that a generation wants to be the opposite of the generation before that. Yeah. Well, the opposite of the generation is the opposite of the gener- generation before. So a lot of times, kids relate to their grandparents because they yeah. are the opposite. Yeah, sadly, all my parent, my grandparents are gone, um, so they didn't, you know, um, they didn't get, to, they didn't get to know my grandparents. Now they they know their their grandmother, their grandfather. My dad passed away, and um, my wife's father passed away. So we've got they've got their grandmothers, which is wonderful. Grandmas are the best. Grandmas are, are pretty okay. Uh, we should wrap it up in a couple minutes here. So okay. what is a question that you wish I would have asked you? Oh, my goodness. I don't know. I, and if you can't think of anything. I, I, yeah, I got nothing. Okay. All right. Because I feel like you and I could do another hour, but I don't think people would listen that long. I mean, What's a question that you wish you would have asked me? What's funny... Anna, is that, like, I have this four pages of questions. and How many did we get to? <laughs> two? Like, like two or three. <laughs> what's, a, what's a funny story uh, about you that, that I don't know about? Um, okay, this is the first thing that came to my mind. You know I like to wear dresses, right? Seeing you in dresses, yes. I, there's a variety of reasons for that. One, I think it's just easy outfits. Two, in my past life, I had to have a lot of dresses. And so I had a lot in my closet. Pantyhose are a thing of the past. I realized that. I know. Sometimes I still do. Anyway, 
I will never forget one of the most horrific, slightly funny now. I was 13 or 14, the worst age possible to get embarrassed. Right. right. I had gone to the bathroom. I was thinking I was looking like hot stuff this one particular <laughs> evening. And generally at the um, our place of worship, we would usually sit in the back row for whatever reason. But this particular time, we were in the towards the front. And I had gone to the bathroom, was walking back up, sat back down. And, you know, one of those arch nemesis kind of like f- friend... You know, frenemy. Con- frenemy, thank you. Taps me on my back. Tap, 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 tap. <laughs> and I turn. And she said, your skirt. I'm like, what? I, I think I even said, oh, thanks. My mom made it. <laughs> and she's like, she's like, no, Anna. No. <laughs> your skirt's in your pantyhose. You pulled up your hose over your skirt. And I had walked all the way up. <laughs> you're, you're walking shame. It was horrible. In the place of worship. So, funny thing is, that has never happened to me ever again. Knock on wood. No, you, you figured it out, right? Yeah. Since you mentioned place of worship, you and I have had talks about faith. Mm-hmm. And I will unapologetically ask you this question. Okay. Tell me about your faith. I My faith has been a, a process. And... Now, I am very proud to say that my faith is my own. I do believe that there is a higher, pow- pow- higher power. I, I don't need or want, at least in this point in my life, to have anything that I consider rigid. I believe that you and I, this, what we just did today, this is, this is my church. This is, my, yeah. this, this is what I need to have faith in good and a higher power. Yeah. My, the people and situations I surround myself with, being on like the ski club, I know being surrounded by good people makes me know that there is good. There is good. And if there's good, there has to be evil, right? Because there's night and day in the whole I accept, bit. So. I, I accept that. Well, I look forward to conversations about faith with you. We've had some. Now, I, I'll tell you this before we go. Anna... Um, approached me after I got my pilot certificate. And if I'm remembering this right, and you can correct me because my memory of things is, is whatever it is, and yours is your, what yours is, and yours is probably right, and mine's probably wrong because I'm a dude. <laughs> but you, I don't remember if I asked you to fly with me or if you... I think you asked me. <laughs> And then at some point, like you, I think you did kind of that. You I, went, I know you went, my a physical reaction. <clears throat> she got up. She said, "She's so you have a reason for that." Mm-hmm. But and you can share that reason if you want. But ultimately, you came to me and said, "Mike, I want to fly in a small airplane, and I want you to take me." That was such a profound gesture for me. It should have been because it was important to me. And I want to thank you for that publicly now. I thanked you for it then. But publicly, I want to thank you for putting that faith in me. And I, I don't take that lightly. That's a charge that I that, that to me was a, a crown that day or a feather to put in my cap, right? That I'm doing it right. And I did that right, at least, in, in getting to know you. And you trusted me with that. So if you want to, share why you were uncomfortable with flying 
and then just go right into that experience of flying with me. My because we had a great time. We did. We it had went, a great flight. And the kids got to see us. Oh, that we flew over your house and we, we waved the wings at them. And, yeah. Uh, my uh, dad was a pilot. My grandfather was a pilot. My uncle was a pilot. Came from a whole bunch of pilots. And my dad, so he was a commercial airline pilot, mm-hmm. but he also did um, one-offs. So we had a small plane growing up. My dad uh, was one of very few people in the 90s and 2000s that had um, his pilot's license for a World War II airplane. Oh, really? An Albatross and then yeah. a PBY Catal- Catalina 5 Oh, that's new information to me. I didn't know that. Yeah. Okay. My dad, you know, he, he was pretty kick-ass. Yeah, cool Am dude. I allowed to say that? You can say whatever you want. Uh, but I... Do not have a relationship with my father anymore. And I had not been in a small airplane since 2000. Yeah, probably 2000. Um, and not only was it, you know, I, my dad always taught me to be very wary of other pilots because mm-hmm. he was a, he was the best pilot. Of course. And, and he probably was awesome. He was. And also, it was an emotional mind screw for me because I had not been in a small airplane with anyone else. I I had to revisit emotions that I had attached to flying in a small airplane. And Did you love it then when you were a kid? It was nothing to me. It, it was it, just, it was, just it was like going to the store for milk. Yeah. That, that was nothing. And so I had forgotten. No, I didn't even know. Like as an adult to go up on a small airplane is that's a big deal. Your Can humans, be, yeah. Humans are not supposed to be up in the air. It's it, it's the it's the bird's air. So they own the sky. Not only because of a whole lot of therapy and a whole lot of growing up and trusting, watching you fly and learning, getting your pilot's license, I was willing to take that leap physically with you and emotionally and mentally. Does that answer the question? Yeah. So tell me about the experience of flying. Was it was was it fun? Was it scary? Like we got in the plane. I mean, I got kind of nervous. You well, did. I did. But I I was like, you know, here's the thing. Mike's not going to kill himself, so I at least know I'm not going down today. <laughs> well, I kill myself on purpose, I want anyway. And what was that one thing that you did that I I thought I was prepared for? Was it the the stopping of the engine? Oh no! Or the, the the turning thing. We did steep turns, and we did we did the the uh, um, uh, anti grab. We did the you know the. I don't think that wasn't that scared me the most. I think it was the turning. Scared yeah, we me did the most. steep turns, so we did uh, like the forty five degree turns, and where you where we were, you know, we turned, and you're looking straight down at the ground from. Yeah, that was a little feet. intense. Yeah, that's a lot of fun, but you got to get used to it. And I did say, uh, I was concerned about your landing. Because what is the saying? the The most exciting part of flying is taking off and landing. Well, here's here's what I say and what I learned about it. What my teachers told me: flying is the second greatest thrill known to man. Landing is the first. The, maybe that was the saying that I remember hearing. So I was concerned that you were going to do the whole pancake it. Oh yeah, and you didn't. You did good. We did okay that day. Yeah. I've had some rough landings for sure. <laughs> Thankfully, that day was not rough. Um, you said the, um. Do your little oh, button. You want to push it? It's the it D. Push D. There you go. 
So my last question okay. before we wrap it up. Who influences you? I love when somebody is new to a networking community world. And I'm going to shout out, she's going to die when she hears this, Renee Baumgartner. She is a fairly, I think, within the first year hire of ServePro of Western O'Fallon. Western, wow, ServePro, wow, with the Youngs. They hired her last year. She took a leap, left her insurance company, a steady paycheck to basically do what you and I do for ServePro. She was so nervous. She was so scared. And right before I came in here this morning, she made a post or a a Facebook message through our number nine networking group. And she said, hey, guys, um, as one of the board members of Western St. Charles Chamber, I want to invite you guys to our next chamber lunch to see that somebody who did something or is doing present tense, something that scares them and they do it anyway. Those are the people that inspire me. That is inspiring. When people make the leap from fear Mm. to courage. And that process. But isn't it interesting? I believe this is my belief and you can tell me yours if it differs. But I think everybody's fearful. We all have fear. And we can all have courage. But that's not enough. You got to do the work. And it's hard. And they tell you that it's hard because it is. And you do it. And that is inspiring, isn't it? That That's an... I didn't expect that answer from you, honestly. I expected you to, to name somebody like... You know, I don't know, like I, I read all of Zig Ziglar or Brian Tracy and, you know, these guys really motivated me to, to up my game. But it, I just think that's lovely, Anna. Thank you. That somebody that you took and that you take an inspiration personally from the transformation of a caterpillar to a butterfly. Yes. Isn't that powerful? I like it. When... I think it's more profound when when you see maturity. And that's a spiritual tenet as well in faith. You know, right now, respectfully, you're spiritually an immature person. I accept that. And I say that with absolute love. When maturity comes, man, I can't wait for that for you. Thank you. And I'm praying about it, and I'm and I, I'm just loving, loving this 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 thing that you're doing. So thank you for being with me on the Mike Bowie Show. You're welcome. Let's just say that this episode is sponsored by LSL Finishes, and uh, we'll put a little plug for Osteo Strong in there. And to all the friends in the community that we've named, thank you for being part of our lives. Anna and I have become friends, and boy, she named a lot of people that we we do life with and I think that's a a great way to wrap it up is seems like would you say that I'm not going to put it define success for you 
first of all, I hate these questions. I told you. I don't, I don't care. I mean, Success I, for me is to never have to have anxiety or worry. I just want to exist in a place of joy. That's awesome. Thank you. That's awesome. I don't want to ever, I don't, I don't like to worry. Worrying is a waste of time. It is. I want to keep talking, but we got to wrap it up. Thank you guys for listening. Um, Wait. There. I said it again. (laughs) I don't think I said it once. You didn't, except in the beginning. You you were cured. High five. Thanks. All right. So I'm going to take a quick selfie while we're on here. And I wish I had a camera sound. Can I do it? I do it better than you. Okay. She's going to do the selfie. All right. Everybody, listen up. Here's how you do a selfie you hold it with your right hand, (laughs) you hold it to the side. You move, you move with the microphones. And you tell the person where the camera is. Right here, Mike. Okay? It's on you're the gonna, left. You're going to look and you're going to smile. There. We got it. All right, guys. Have a blessed day. And we are out. Bye, guys. Thank you for listening. Be sure to subscribe and stay tuned for the next episode.